This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome along to the latest instalment of the Real EFL League One podcast with me, your host Matt Isles. If you are new and listening for the very first time, thanks for joining us and we are delighted to have you listening to us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Well, of course, if you are new to it, what the basic sort of plot of this podcast is to discuss and talk about each game from the third tier with two pundits experts every week. But of course, if you have already listened, then this doesn't apply to you. Time to bring in our guest for this episode then. You've heard him already in our very first League One podcast right before the season started. And of course, still very much getting adjusted to the new sides and new division his side are in for this season. And he's even got a smile. It is Johnny Hunt all the way from Ireland, a Reading fan, probably no doubt. Feeling like a lot of the fan base a little bit down in the dumps at the moment. Hopefully going to come on and uh, we'll uh, cheer him up. Hope all is well, mate. I'm glad to see you smiling, even though it's not all played sailing at Red at the moment. It never is, mate. But if you don't smile, then, you know, what can you do? It's good to see you. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, well, well yeah, hopefully but... things, will, things will only get better. Yeah, good to see you as well, mate. Thank you for coming on. And also alongside me as well is a smiling Wigan fan, Adam Pendlebury. And why wouldn't he be given the start they've made, which we will come up and discuss on the show too. Welcome uh, to the show, Adam. And of course, it is your debut. Hopefully not the last time we're going to have you on the League One podcast. And of course, as well, he's from the Progress with Unity podcast, a dedicated Wigan podcast itself. Welcome along, mate. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, making my debut like most of the Wigan players did last week at Derby. So uh, it's been a busy summer. Yeah, very busy indeed. But before we start, of course, please, uh, if you can just give us five stars on whichever podcast platform you have and are listening to us on, then please do give us uh, a five-star rating if you can. And of course, it will obviously show that you like our content. Right, let's get down to business then. Let's start off the uh, League One podcast, shall we? It's only right to talk about Barnsley, first of all, isn't it? Because they got the biggest result of the uh, 
entire division last weekend. That 7-0 thrashing of Port Vale, the biggest opening day win since the 1960s. Their very next game is against Bristol Rovers. And people will probably look at me and go, oh, anything to get Bristol Rovers in because you're a fan? No, it's not true. <laughs> Barnsley got the biggest result in the entire EFL. The next opponent's Bristol Rovers, which is a sheer uh, coincidence. And it seemed as though the general consensus was amongst the, the sort of Bristol Rovers fans was a lot of the, a lot of the game yesterday. Rovers maybe should have won. They certainly had double the amount of shots compared to Barnsley. The XG Rovers slightly higher than Barnsley, 0.38 compared to Barnsley, 0.25. 16 shots to Rovers in Barnsley's favour of eight. The Rovers assistant, Andy Mangan, filling in, of course, with Joe Barton, who is suspended, said that the first half, uh, they didn't look so great, but they should have perhaps won and had a lot of chances to win it. Whereas Neil Collins said the first half, they looked good. Second half, they were different. Not enough disruption of possession against the ball. So perhaps maybe on one hand, you could say it's a fair result. Maybe as well, you could say a little bit different in terms of Rovers should have perhaps won. But two points from the opening six games. It does feel like it's a good return for Rovers, to be fair. You know, drawn with two sides. Pompey, who were in the top 10 last year. Barnsley last season's player finalists ultimately losing to Sheffield Wednesday. But there is that feeling amongst Ravers fans, you know what, we should have maybe got four points. We should have maybe got more than what we've got so far, which just shows that in a short space of time, we've really sort of um, come quite a long way. And I think what it's proved in these first two games is that we are a good side for this level and we are assembling quite a decent squad. And quietly, the optimism is there. Um, I'm going to throw this to you uh, to start with Johnny. Um, we talked about in the first podcast, didn't we, that this feels like a league one where a lot of teams can break into the top 10. It's not quite set in stone what that order is. Yeah, A lot of people do tip Rovers to be in and around that top half of the table. Is that something you share? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're looking at the game yesterday, you know, you've got Scott Sinclair, a super sub coming on, you know, to get the goal then. But when you, when you can change the game dynamics, you know, from the first half where Barnsley being on top, you know, and it's 1-0, come back in the second half, regroup, come out, and they like say deserve probably to to win. And when you're disappointed not getting that result, that says you know how competitive a team is. Um, that you know a team that's gone scored seven last week, you've drawn with and are disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it was a result that I think Neil Collins was quite pleased about in the end. Um, given his side for the second half, we're a little bit up against it. Rovers maybe feel like they should have perhaps won that game, but it wasn't to be. Uh, let's move on then to Wigan Athletic, shall we? Only right, really, with Adam Pendlebury uh, with us. Two wins out of two. That minus eight is quickly going down, isn't it? Now on to minus two after those two wins. Of course, it was Derby they won against last week, which was a bit of a surprise, but not quite on the same calibre beating newly promoted Northampton. Uh, of course, we do like talking about XG, quite a big modern feature. 1.4 compared to 0.73 against Northampton. Um, there was quite a lot of opportunities in that game for both sides. You're in attendance, um, Adam. Um, obviously, you know, one thing about Sean Maloney since he's come in is that Wigan were, last season when I was watching a few of their games, were very well possession-based, a little bit overkill, I think, in terms of keeping the ball, very much did have them settled. They conceded less goals. And maybe if he was in instead of Colo Torre, it might have been a bit different and not seen the club actually relegated. But he's now had that full pre-season, of course. It was quite quickly sorted out, the ownership issues and whatnot. Obviously, you have got the minus eight for the points deduction. But he's very much sort of 
I guess to some degree, it looks like changed the style a little bit because you had a lot of possession last year. The first two games, you've gone from 45% of the ball at Derby to 55% against Northampton. Do you see an obvious change this season into the style of Maloney's play than last year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, clearly the time that Maloney came in was towards the end of the transfer window. So I don't really think he had the armoury to maybe play the style that he wants to play. Uh, For example, in in centre midfield, um, Smith's come in from Arsenal and he's very, very good on the ball. So, and with um, Charlie Hughes in particular at centre-back, who's come through the youth ranks at Wigan, he's very comfortable on the ball. He's happy to bring the ball out. But we've got that option now in midfield as well, make those triangles, um, which maybe we didn't have last year. Um I think it's going to be the pattern of the home games, most of the home games, I think, that we will have more possession. The game against, uh, in midweek, uh, the Wrexham game, we actually switched the we switched to uh, wing-back formation with three centre-halves, and I don't think that worked as well because there seemed to be a tendency to pass it quite slowly across the back line, whereas yesterday, we just having the two, we went back to the triangles, Tickle, the goalkeeper, is is very good. And I'm not going to put him in the category of Edison or Alisson as yet, but he's a young goalkeeper and they're all brought up now, aren't they? They, they, they look to be keepers like an Edison or an Alisson. Um, so he's very comfortable on, on the ball. Um, I was quite impressed with the way that Northampton dealt with us, really, particularly in the first half. They... It kind of surprised me because, you know, obviously a side quite new to um, to League One and they lost the first game of the season. Uh, so, yeah, the, the intensity, I think I think it shocked um, Wigan a little bit. I think it shocked Sean Maloney, certainly in his post-match comments. He, um, he, he said that they kind of adopted a style that he didn't expect and and therefore he had to tweak a few things um, at half-time and made some early substitutes in the uh, in, in the second half. Yeah, so as you said before with the stats, there was a lot of um, kind of goal-mouth uh, action. Um, pretty easy, uh, pretty even uh, in what I would class as good chances, really. Um couple of good saves from the uh, from the goalkeepers um, and it was the main thing for me at the moment is it was a very very enjoyable game I thought both both sides took part in that you know first home game back we didn't know whether we'd have a team in the summer um, and I really enjoyed enjoyed the game um, it's going to take time for us to get to what I class as the the Martinez benchmark because Maloney played under Roberto Martinez, the assistant manager at Belgium. Um, I think he's kind of his mentor, really. And you can start to see the type of football that Martinez played. But Martinez, albeit at a much higher level, it took him it took him at least a year to kind of stamp his authority on the team. But it is pleasing on the eye to, to see at the moment. And I, I do think we can keep picking results up and it's amazing that we we could be off the bottom if we went at Carlisle on on uh, Tuesday we will be off the bottom because we'll jump over Carlisle which if you'd have given me that at the start of August then I would have 
snapped your hand off at that. So, uh, yeah, all in all, going well so far. Um, yeah, so let's see what Tuesday brings. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think with Wigan, it is a very young side. Obviously, Sean Maloney has sort of used his contacts in the game. Obviously, you mentioned players like Matt Smith um, that have come in from Arsenal. But the homegrown players, I think, are really key. Obviously, Taylor Osgord is a quite a, a big player for Wigan. Obviously, you mentioned the goalkeeper, uh, Tickle. But one player for me is really standing at the moment. It's Charlie Hughes, obviously... Uh, Goldborn, born, which is obviously within um, Wigan as well. He's 19-year-old centre-back. And we're not on this to kind of talk him to move to a bigger league or bigger clubs in the future. Um, but at 19 years of age, he does it the real deal, doesn't he? He looks like a, a, you know, a fresh new kid on the block. He could be someone who you know could be in the sort of individual accolades, potentially, if Wigan continue to have a good season. And when I talk about individual accolades, you know, you're... EF, you know, League One Young Player of the Year will be in the PFA team there. He looks like he's got a bright future, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Given the fact he only, only made his debut um, in terms of league football in January, um, I mean, he thrived last year in a team that was obviously struggling. And, you know, so far this season, he's, seen, he's taken on a lot of um, responsibility. I would say he's the league man now at the back. He... Um, you can hear him from the sidelines. That might be the, uh, the, the the fact that we still have quite a few empty seats at the ground, so you can still hear them. You can, but he, he's constantly talking to the to the other defenders. He captained us actually at uh, Wrexham on uh, on Tuesday night, and I think apart from Reese James when he was on loan, he's our youngest league captain. So. Um, yeah, he's very good on the ball. Um, I think he's getting more confidence to actually bring the ball out as well. Um, but he has also got that excellent switch of play, which I think is fantastic sometimes. Particularly, we've got we've got wide players who are willing to attack and go at go at the fullbacks. So if we can get that, we can get that ball in. We get them on a one, you know, one one on one situation. Um, yeah, I'd probably say he's been man of the match in the um, in the first two games, league games, and we did tie him down to a long contract. Um, but obviously, that's protecting him as an asset. Really, um, I'd be unless he goes with us up the leagues, which is going to be tough this season. It might be that that we we have to cash in and. Hope that the academy produces other players. I think that's kind of got to be our business model, really. Now in the in the climate that we're in, there's not going to be a lot of money committed uh, to to the club by the ownership. They'll make us sustainable. They'll put the money in that that's kind of required. But it's going to be about youth development, bringing players through, and using Sean Maloney's contacts really to. Um, to try and bring in other players, really, to complement the players that have come through the academy. But you've got to be proud when you can put on the field uh, Charlie Hughes, who's getting all the accolades. Callum Lang, who last time he was at this level, scored 17 goals. He's now the the captain, even though Josh McGuinness is the uh, club captain. I don't think Josh McGuinness will play a lot of games this season. I think he'll be a reserve striker for Charlie White. Uh, so Callum Lang's now captain in the side, and we've also got Tello Asgard as well. Um, it'd be very interesting to see in the next sort of uh, twelve months or so whether 
he, he pushes up from under twenty ones Norwegian football to the uh, to the first team uh, because they'd be really interested to see how Asgard plays with Haaland. That'd be very. In- uh, I'm not saying he's in the kind of the uh, Bruyne type category, but um, I'd, I'd find that really interesting to see how he does. But yeah, it's funny because he's a Norwegian, but he's a broad scouser. So <laughs> it's uh, at least it's so. You know, that's three players I've mentioned there who I think will be and tickle the goalkeeper. I think they'll be the main stairs of the team this year, um, complemented by a little bit of experience. Um, and I'm sure that's. Uh, one particular player that you might want want to talk about. Um, there's not many people who can feel the player that's won a man of the match award in an FA Cup final. So um, yeah, um, Callum McManaman rolled back the years uh, yesterday. I obviously mention was made there of Scott Sinclair earlier. And you look at these players who you know for periods of times were you know, very, very good, talented players for for the Premier League that maybe didn't quite reach that potential. Um, I think Scott Sinclair has obviously done a lot better in the game than McManaman has uh, over the last sort of 10 years, but he just looks a new player. And um, having that at your disposal is um, is fantastic at, at, at this level. I know Brady alluded to that, saying that, you know, when you come up against players like that, it's a, it's the a difference between um, sort of League Two and League One, albeit League Two might be a bit different this year with having the likes of, you know, Wrexham, Stockport, um, Notts County in there. But generally speaking, that step up in class, the, the, the players can... That was the difference, really, between probably a draw was a fair result, but McManaman, absolute brilliance, um, scores that goal and it wins us the game. Well, yeah, you mentioned there, of course, about Callum McManaman actually played through the pain barrier yesterday. It was revealed after the game by Sean Maloney. And yesterday in total, there were 39 shots on goal. So it just shows that the entertainment probably yesterday in League One was at Wigan versus Northampton. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to talking about Reading, unfortunately for you, Johnny. Um, Port Vale away. They, of course, were hammered last weekend by Barnsley at Oakwell. They won in the League Cup in the week against Fleetwood. It's, uh, you're welcome, Johnny. Um, Reading, however, got a very good result against Mirwall in the Carabao Cup. It was an average age of around 21 uh, at the Den. Won 4-0. Very next league game against Port Vale. They didn't have a single shot on target. Even though they had an XG of over just one. So it just showed they did get some good areas to create chances. Did have a penalty saved by the League One penalty king uh, in terms of saving them Connor Ripley. Um Describe the game for us, Johnny. I mean, you know, it feels like possibly, you know, in terms of the Sayers revolution, two steps forward from Tuesday, two steps back, is it possibly after yesterday's result? Yeah, like, I mean, it's, you're listening to the Wigan game there. This is like football opposite, isn't it? You know, really, like no shots on target in the whole game apart from a penalty. Um, but like, you know, what comes from it um, about Ruben Sellers, you know, Saints fans that I spoke to said that he doesn't have a plan B. He played the plan B on Tuesday against Millwall, where we had the young lads out there, um, Caelan Vickers, Nathan Abbey, who was captain, um, Matt Carson, Tyler Binden, young, quick, pressing team, which I think is the football that Sellers likes. Worked, you know, if you can, a lot of these lads making their debut, going to Millwall away, which is probably one of your least chosen grounds, and play them off the park, get a 4-0 win, you're going, wow, you could play anywhere. You know, you, Port Vale away should be... That's a walk in the park, really, compared to there. 
But he goes back to his plan A, which was plan A of last season, which was Andy Carroll, dirty dancing up front, whatever you want to call it. It, it was... It was interesting to watch, as I say. I'm, you know, I'm learning, you know, a lot League One football. But yesterday, it was I learned about Nathan Smith, the centre back for Port Vale, who can be quite niggly and nasty. And from kick off till the the 90th minute, both of them at each other. Uh, the whole game, you know, the pulls. The I think Andy Carroll actually did a you know a karate kick on the head up just before half time, got a yellow card, could have been a red. But you know, we actually like the Peterborough game last week. We actually started well the first. 20 minutes, you know, we had a lot of possession. Playing good football, um, Guinness Walker went on a run, won us the, the penalty. Obviously, the keeper was off his line, saved it. No VAR, three players <laughs> in the box. I'm not bitter, just letting you know. Um, but yeah, Sounds then, like you're not. Sounds <laughs> like you're not. <laughs> but then, then it kind of settled back into, you know, certainly second half when Sellers admitted it himself. It was, you just become sort of desperate hoofball. And, and, you know, Andy Carroll's a, a better player than that. But with him on the pitch so many times last season, when we were kind of out of ideas, it was just lump it up to him and, and kind of hope for the best. You know, we had the opportunity to change it when um, he took off Kelvin L. Hibbertan, um, who scored two on Tuesday um, and brought on Caelan Vickers and kept Carroll on the whole game. To me, that was a chance to change the way that we were playing, introduce a bit of pace. Candy out, Andy Carroll was not going to be a high presser for 90 minutes of a game. If you want to play that system, and that's the way that he wanted to play it on Tuesday and still wants to play, well, Carroll's not going to fit into that. And the problem then, you know, you know, we had David Button came in who has his critics from West Brom. Uh, did all right as keeper, one, one fumble, but the, the conditions up there were very... Uh, Started off bright sunshine, torrential rain, slippy pitch, you know, hard for a keeper. Um, did okay. Um, but then, you know, the problem with, you know, obviously, you know, with the embargo, as Adam would know, all the issues with the EFL, you know, we've not been able to get players in, you know, properly and it's all been a mess. We're still behind probably where we should be from, you know, pre-season wise. But one of the biggest problems that we've got is the defence um from the last you know two seasons we've got McIntyre Holmes Andy Eardom in there um that have played in that team and it's slow it's painful I don't think you know Eardom to me is a captain that you know gets players going you know you need like the guy you know Michael Morrison there previously he was at Cambridge you know old school leader um that you know you can see it. You can see him organising. You can see him push. You got Sam Hutchinson, who managed to last the game without getting booked, which is which is a you know a rarity <laughs> for us. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to work out. Like you, you you watch and you were like, oh here we go again. Like what are you watching here? You you got to change it. You had some play like Nathan Appy didn't get in the squad yesterday. Um, you know, we're missing Sam Smith. You know, he's out injured already. He's got the Reading injury curse at the start of the season from joining the club, as we seem to do. Um, but you, you know, you we've got you know Charlie Savage come in, he's done very well. I had a quiet game yesterday, but you know, it just bypassed a lot of players. And you know, Port Vale, you know, they deserved to win it in the end. Um, they you know. Once they got the goal in the 72nd minute, they could have, they probably could have gone and scored three or four more, hit the post bar. Um, but then, you know, Reading were just, they looked tired and they looked disorganized. And it was just, 
<laughs> waiting, you know, to the final whistle that, you know, that down in the 97th minute, I think, you know, we had a cross shot that hit the bar and that was about as exciting as it got. Um, but look, I'm not, you know, uh, spreading fans can be very fickle at times, I'm not going to be judging sellers on two games, but he's got time. He's come into a club, which, you know, I spoke previously that we've had a rough summer with the embargo what was going on, you know, trying to, you know, the, the problems with the HMRC not paying tax. This might sound again familiar to you, Adam. Um, but, you know, I'll give him his credit if he learns from yesterday um, that, you know, what I guess, you know, you guys being, what do you do with Andy Carroll in League One? It's, you know, he's like we talked about the experienced players like um, Scott Sinclair, um, Colin Vanneman, you know, these guys that have been there and done it. Um, is, is he going to change his game? League One, it's a different type of football again to the championship. Do you play, you know, you, you can't adapt your game for him because it's pretty obvious what you're going to do. So, do you, you know, is he the right fit for our team? And I, and I don't think, you know, he's, for me, ideally a guy that you bring on now with 20, 30 minutes to go when you need to change it. You need to maybe go more direct. Direct football is not going to win you League One, like, like yesterday, it was almost like going back to watching Vinny v Gaza, and the only thing that Smith didn't do was grab Carroll by the uh, KPs. You know, it was that it was that kind of old school football, which you know it, there was a place for it at times, but not when you've seen such a positive ex- performance by a group of young lads that you see, well, this is this is us going forward. And like you're saying, Matt, two steps forward, two back. It's still early days. I'm not expecting us to, you know, win the league or whatever. I just want to see improvement on the pitch. And, you know, we need we need recruitment if we can do it before the next embargo comes in again. Um, you know, but we've got the, like, you know, we've got a good academy. We've got good young players that are there that need to be trusted. We didn't trust them last season under Ince. They, you know, they're not good enough, blah, 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 blah. And like yesterday, it was kind of like the same thing. It's like 46-game season. You're going to have to trust youngsters at some stage. And believe in them. And like yesterday, like after being on you know, cloud nine, winning on Tuesday, you're like, sorry, lads, you're, you're not even in the squad some of you for today. Uh, you know, it's, it's, that's football. But, you know, from a fan's point of view, I think, you know, we, we can see a future there. It's just got to be kind of the manager's got to believe in them. Mm. Yeah, I know I you wanted to, to, like... to raise a point, Adam. So, yeah, far away. Yes. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, just a couple of questions, really. I've just, um, I mean, the way you're putting it forward is, is quite pragmatic and, you know, with us experts on the real EFL, yeah, maybe we can do that. But I don't know the, um, what what do you feel the general consensus will be amongst fans if, say, for example, you've only won one of the first 10 games? Um, if I'm right in saying, I don't think you've played at this level since 2001. Is that is that right? Yeah. 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 You beat us yeah. in the playoffs that season as well. I was there. Yeah, very well. Yeah. But that's a breed of fans that have seen Premier League football challenging in, in the championship. And, you know, now being in League One, where from what you said yesterday, it, it's kind of going long ball football. So I'm just wondering will, will the fans stay with Sellers and the team um, long enough to, I guess, integrate some of those younger players in as the season goes on? I think you got to like you know, you know the, the, there was all the talk of what Chris Wilder coming in over the summer and that didn't happen for whatever reason. 
you know, Ruben Sello's brave man to take on Reading at the minute, to be honest. It's, you know, it's not a job that is easy. And I, and I don't know if he was sold the full story before he took over, you know, because then, you know, you had the issue with Charlie Savage not being registered almost, you know, up to two days before the season started. So, you know, again, but the EFL have to take responsibility as well. Like, you know, they put these embargoes in place, but then still us allowed to sign players, but then wouldn't allow us to be registering them. So that that part of it is, you know, is a different issue. But from from Reading fans' point of view, for me, I, I you know I can only speak for myself, but a lot of people that I know, it's like we've got to give the guy a chance. We, we've got to give him the opportunity. And I, I think certainly, you know, that like for a lot of clubs, you know, kind of wait to the transfer windows closed to see what we've got, who we've got, because it is a long season. And then, you know, from then, if if you know, at the end of August, beginning of September. You know, Tuesday's a big game for us now. You know, Cheltenham at home where, you know, they haven't had a great start. If we lose that one, that brings more pressure, you know. But hopefully, you know, at home, you know, we've obviously got the, you know, the issues <laughs> so before we die, you know, with the owner campaign going on, which, you know, it, it has its critics. But that's a different issue to what goes on the pitch. It's about, you know, we, we need to get behind these young lads. There's some good players Nibs um, and Smith that came from Cambridge, you know, that, so anyone, you know, like for Charlie Savage to want to join Reading as well. And I know his dad's absolutely chuffed that he's there and he scored his first goal for us on Tuesday. You know, that that type of playing takes me back to some of the older Reading fans that would know back to 98, 99. We, we got relegated to League One. Um, the likes of Grant Brevender joined from Man United. We had guys like Darren Caskey there, Nicky Forster. You know, we, that was the start of a, a new momentum in our history. Took a while to get going, but like it's it's what it is, Adam, isn't it? You know, it's 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 stuff that we can't control or deal with. We can only get behind the players. And you know, when you when last season for us, and we on to something else, like with Paul Lynch, it was horrible to watch. Yesterday was like going back to those days. So you know, we we can see he can do different because he did it on Tuesday. So believe in different and go back to plan A when you need it, you know, as a, as a next resort. Well, obviously, yesterday from that game, uh, obviously, Conor Ripley saved the penalty. He's actually saved six penalties in the last year, which is actually incredible to think. And by the way, if you've not seen Ben Garrity's goal, it's probably a contender for scrappiest goal of the entire <laughs> campaign, because how that has ended up in the back of the net, I do not know. And just to add insult to injury, Redden officially have the uh, worst winless run in the league in the EFL. It's now 15 matches. So that is the last we'll talk about Redden on this podcast for now. Uh, the next sort of game we're going to focus on is Exeter versus Blackpool. Now, it was nil-nil, but there's a bigger picture to this. I was watching the game yesterday uh, on behalf of the EFL. Um, it wasn't the prettiest of watches, but one thing that really stood out was how resolute and how stoutly Blackpool um, defended. I thought Exeter were by far and away the more threatening team. They looked the more intent. I think their lineup is is very very stronger than actually what I anticipated it was. You know they have lost uh, Jamal Blackman, Jake Caprice, uh, Collins in the midfield, uh, Giovanni Brown, but it doesn't seem to have affected them. I think Gary Caldwell's recruited well. They're very good on the eye. They press. They hunt after the ball. Um, certain players really stood out for me. I thought Ryan Trevitt on loan from Brentford midfield and number eight looks a real strong acquisition for them. So possibly he could be a name to look out for this season. I think. Uh, Jack Aitchison, who signed from Barnsley, looked sharp up front. Um, and as well, Dimitri Mitchell signed in January from Ibernian. He looked very, very strong. Yes, he had a really good battle with CJ Hamilton. But for Blackpool, going forward, they only had three shots in the game. But what they did do very, very well was everything Axeter 
try to ask of them going forward. Blackpool had an answer for their back three of Casey, Ekpiteta and Husband, I thought were outstanding. You know, when Nombe was getting the ball inside the box to try and shoot, he couldn't get a clear shot on Grimshaw's goal. They were always just there, whether they were doubling up to tackle or they were just getting there, whether it was one player on their own, 1v1. They were always there in the way of shots and they were very, very good at the back. And I think it's showing, you know, their first three games have kept three clean sheets, so it's over 270 minutes that they haven't conceded. And, you know, that's, a, I would say, probably a really good point for Blackpool, given they didn't play as great as what we have seen. Uh, and this is going to go to you, Adam, obviously, of course. Blackpool, when they were last in this division, had Neil Critchley, got promoted, and obviously got up via the playoffs at Wembley, beating Lincoln. Have we been a little bit wrong to overlook them as serious promotion candidates? I mean, a lot of people do think they'll be top six, but... You know, for me, it almost feels a little bit disrespectful that they've got a manager there in Neil Critchley, who has earned the promotion at a League One, did it well with a storming run in the second half of the season um, in 2020-21 to get them up. You know, do you think in your own eyes they're serious promotion contenders or do you think a little bit there's just better sides than them at the moment? Um, I don't think they're an automatic promotion contender, but like you said, there's a lot of teams who can make the playoffs and then Critchley you know, at this level has shown that he could do it. Um, and maybe as well we overlook Exeter because obviously I know myself, Gary Caldwell, you know, won a, won a promotion at Wigan. So I think sometimes you've got to look at this level and look at the look at the management, how you actually sometimes dig out, dig out results. You can't play brilliant football every week. And it was almost a perfect away performance because they they had that chance um, in the last minute, which produced a you know a good save, and they did nick to one 0 win there. When Exeter, like you said, are probably on the balance of play were were the better side. So I think you know with the the clean sheets, um, they, they've they've got some talent uh, in there as well. I think there's players players to come in. Um, obviously, they've got opportunities as, as the relegated side. You'd say that um, um, Wigan, Reading, and oh, I'm meant to mention Reading again, but uh, the relegated <laughs> sides, in terms, they can do a little bit more in the in the transfer market than than we can. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right, Matt. Really, I, I'd be surprised if they weren't. Um, I'd be amazed if they're not a top half side. Um, and once you're in that sort of part of the table, it's, it can get very congested. Um, I mean, it might be that we get a couple of teams that that maybe sort of fly away, um, possibly at the top. Uh, so that that usually means that it gets a lot more congested from sort of fifth, sixth down to down to tenth, eleventh, really. So. Yeah, I'd expect I'd expect Blackpool to be there or thereabouts, and Wigan play them um, in, in a couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that game goes. Yeah, certainly creating real opportunities was the problem for Exeter. Uh, we're just going to take a short break as we get a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. 
NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, moving on. Obviously, we've done the four games in depth. Let's look at the other eight then from the division yesterday. Starting off with Burton versus Derby. Only separated by 10 miles. Derby got themselves their first three points of the campaign. Winning by three goals to nil as goals from James Collins, Connor Harahan and Connor Washington would seal the win against Burton Albion. From the Burton point of view, Dino Marmaria was dumbfounded by the result because he said for 78 minutes they dominated. But he said they conceded the two goals within the last 15 minutes because they were overcommitting. He's confident. He's very sort of positive about how they will get goals. Wins will come. They are scoreless in all three games in all competitions. I think I was speaking to you sort of off air, uh, Johnny, a little bit about Burton. I think he gets a bit of a bad name, does Dino Marmaria. Everybody seems to think his football's a little bit direct, a little bit prehistoric. They yeah. are very horrible to play against, but I think they do have the real potential to mix things up. I think, you know, he's gone in there twice, once as an assistant, once as the manager, really turned things around, really galvanised that group. Yeah. And he's not afraid to make big, big changes. I mean, you know, when he walked in last year as the manager promoted from assistant to manager, they were a complete shambles. Defensively, all over the place under Hasselbank. They used, I think, the most players in the league last year. And yet he did manage to mould them together to be a real tight-knit side. And in the end, they coasted uh, to survival. So I think they've got a good manager there. I wouldn't be concerned. I think there's a good uh, level of, of, of players there. And I think with Burton Albion, I think their fans, realistically, they are just happy to be in League One. I think they, they probably do expect this season to be a bottom half mid-table sort of side. But from the Derby point of view, it did just seem after the Blackpool game, there were some sort of cracks appearing. Paul Warren accused some players of having their heads turned. Um, obviously, I think one player who had an offer was Max Bird to go to hold. That's been turned down. Uh, no bids as of yet or as we're recording that have gone back in since. There's been other players as well that he's not mentioned that have had offers. But he was very honest in his interview, John. He said he didn't like the first half display. They were dominant in the second, but did hint maybe Burton were fatigued after that televised game with Leicester. So, you know, by the scoreline and kind of what we said, does 3-0 feel like a bit of a flattering result, perhaps? Yeah, like, when you've got quality players that Derby have got, you know, you can kill games off, you know, as they did. They, you know, you have to ride storms, don't you, in these games? You know, you're not going to have, you know, complete control of a game. And, you know, Burton, you know, at home... You know, yeah, you say a big game, you know, in the week as well. You know, it's, you know, the biggest squad um, coming up. You know, Paul Warren, like we talked about before, you know, last week, I think, you know, had his critics, you know, about what happened last season. Um, but results, isn't it? You know, it's a results game in, the, in League One, for, you know, for these teams like Derby, you know, going to any any club's difficult. Any place away, you've got to prove, you know, big name team like Derby, whoever, you've got to prove it on the pitch. 
Um, and they'd be happy with three. You're not going to win every game playing beautiful football the way that you set out a team to play. Sometimes you've got to play, you know, you've got to hang into games, haven't you? And, and, and stick in and, you know, go through patches where you're not dominating. And that's when, you know, you know the managers earn their money. They, you know, especially, I think, you know, the managers like Warren, um, Ferguson, Peterborough, managers that know the leagues, know, know what they've got to do to get out of the league. It's, you know, it's, like, you know it, it's, it's a challenge, but I think, you know, these early days, and like you said, the uncertainty for a lot of players and managers and fans, transfer windows, the rumours start, don't know, players do have agents in their ears and, da, da, da. you know, until I think, like you say, like before, like until you get to the end of September, at the end of August, transfer window closes, everyone takes a breather and go, this is what we've got at least till the next three months and go with that. And then I think, you know, people feel a bit more secure and you can actually go, right, let's, let's see what we've got and take it from there. So this this next few weeks for me is going to be a bit up and down watching what happens. It's going to be, you know, movers and, and different things going on. And then we'll see what depth all these squads have at, at the end of that time. Yeah, Burton, yes, they didn't have a shot on target. And you talk about how there could be a lot of business happening for a lot of clubs. I think Derby could be one of the busiest between now and the end of the window. Uh, that is for sure uh, in uh, Paul Warren's side. Let's move on then to Bolton Wanderers. My goodness me, they do look good, don't they? Another successive 3-0 win at the Johnny Rock Stadium against Cheltenham. It was a breeze really for Bolton. 3-0 up in the first half, 74% possession. It was as dominant as dominant could be. Um, Adam, I mean, Bolton last year, so, so close, losing plus semi-finalists. My goodness me, they look good this year, don't they? Yeah, I think I think year after year um, under Ian Everett, uh, I think you were talking about this um, last last week. Um, I think it, I think it's actually his fourth season now because um, he had the yeah, season yeah. in uh, League Two and then he had the season where he infamously um, said before the Wigan game that, um, that they were the best team in the league by far and then lost 4-0 to Wigan. Um, <laughs> the last season, you could see that, that there's there's been an incremental improvement. I think Everett is learning as well in terms of his public relations and, and managing the expectations as well. But getting a consistent squad because essentially he started with nothing and he's been building that squad. They're they're always going to be solid at the back. Um, You know, the game, Bolton were were on Sky quite a few times last season um, and I noticed that they were generally strong at the back. Um, The playoffs really surprised me. I, I, I thought they didn't lay a glove on Barnsley, particularly in that second leg. Uh, it looked like their attackers just didn't have the confidence, but you know, you look at that, you you look at the firepower that they've got, you know, and obviously, yes, evidence of that, of course, was yesterday. You know, Charles is a player who'll score goals at, at, at this level. Um, they play decent football, but also they've got they've got that solidity to them as well. I it's difficult as a Wigan fan uh, to back them to win the league, but I kind of thought, yeah, they, they, they look the type of side that could take this league, you know, after last season in the playoffs, um, more experience adding to the squad. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, even after two games, I think that sort of solidified my thinking that there'd be a top two side. Um, 
the game yesterday, it was just kill the game off in the first half and then just switch on the autopilot, really, and coast, coast through the game. Um, I mean, we just had been talking about, you know, the need to win that game for, for Reading, really, um, you know, because it, Cheltenham didn't look great yesterday. Um, you know, the, I think they're a side who might struggle this season. So, yeah, I think perfect away performance, really. I mean, what more can you ask for, really, in your first first two games, really? Um, yeah, they're, they're a strong side. I, I think they're a, dead, a top six certainty and highly likely to take um, one of the two spots at the, at the top. Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree with you anymore. I think you look at the, the depth that Bolton have, their squad's unbelievable. I mean, yesterday they started with Dion Charles and Victor Adeboyejo. They bring them off, bring Dan and Lundulu on and Cameron Jerome. Now, Cameron Jerome has seen better days in his career, but he's such a good person to bring off from the bench if you're winning or you're trying to chase a game. And I think that that's something as well. You look at their midfield three they played yesterday. They had Kyle Dempsey, Aaron Morley, Josh Sheehan, three very good midfielders, three very different midfielders. And George Thomason, who's been linked with a move to Bristol City in the Championship, was on the bench. So it just shows the depth they've got. I think the squad is probably the best in terms of the depth in the league. And I think they look for me like they can go massively all the way. But speaking of Cheltenham, just quickly, there looks to be a real serious lack of creativity. Not a coincidence for me that Alfie May's gone. They haven't scored yet this season. But against Birmingham and Bolton in the League Cup and in the league game, uh, Bolton, of course, they've only managed to register under 10 shots in their last two games. They didn't have a shot on target against Birmingham and they only had two against Bolton. So a massive concern, as you rightly pointed out there. Uh, Adam. Uh, let's move on then to talking about Portsmouth. They were big winners yesterday. Biggest win of the day. Uh, they won 4-0 away at Leighton Orient. Um, Portsmouth at the moment have the second best unbeaten run in the EFL, switching back from last year. 13 unbeaten, their best run since 1961. Only Ipswich is 21 games, surpasses their current run in the league. They had an XG of 1.55 uh, compared to Orient 0.66. Um, Orient, of course, League Two champions did pretty much coast that division, to be fair. I thought they'd be maybe starting a little bit better than what they have. I did like their business in the summer. Joe Pickett's a striker I've always really, really rated. Uh, to get him on a free chance from Ipswich was a big move. Il Mazzuni on loan from Ipswich was good for them last season. Real strong um, acquisition. But you talk about acquisitions, my goodness me, Cassini Yengi looks a real proper player. Four in two for him, and he's only started one of those games, and that's against Forest Green. In the League Cup, I saw Portsmouth last week uh, against sort of Bristol Rovers and, and they were very, very slow in the first half. I thought Rovers' first 20 minutes were excellent against them, exactly played the way that we wanted to. But then they did step things up. They got a lot of crosses into the box. They've got a lot of height up front. Colby Bishop and Cassini Yangi. I think set pieces are going to be good from. You saw the goals yesterday. Marlon Pack scores a goal where it kind of hits the inside of the post and goes in from a set piece. They put a lot of crosses in. Beckles put into his own net, a rather sort of comical own goal, which if you're an Orient fan, you're tearing your hair out. If you're an opposition fan, you're liking some of it. It was quite comical defending yesterday from Leighton Orient, but, you know, they've not started well. Two defeats out of two. I think they'll be OK. I think there's enough in their squad. It's just one of those, isn't it? I think the jump from League Two to League One is quite a bigger jump now than what it has been. And I think they will, over time, sort of, you know, get to understand the level. Richie Wellens plays a lot of good football. I think they're very attack-minded. They have lost of course, Paul Smith, Lawrence Vigaru left in goal. So, you know, there is that little bit for them that maybe they need to adjust without them somewhat. But I do think that they are 
a decent side on paper, and I do think they will um, pick up results. So I wouldn't be too concerned if you're a Leighton Orient fan, of course, in what was a, a bad homecoming for them, their first game in League One in uh, nine years. Uh, let's go on then to Peterborough. They managed to get themselves a good victory yesterday. They beat Charlton by a solitary goal to nil. Two wins out of two for them. Two clean sheets in a row. Don't often associate Dan Ferguson teams with keeping clean sheets. They're usually a really entertaining team. Johnny, you saw Peterborough last weekend. They did, of course, win at the Majeski Stadium by a solitary goal to nil. Um, what have you made of Peterborough so far this season? As expected, their start that they've made. Uh, and sort of just give a bit of a lowdown on sort of the way they sort of play. They're a lot different to last year. They're a little bit more settled. What was your impressions of them when they played Reading and to this season so far? Well, like, to be honest, it's, 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 they get the job done. Like, they, you know, both games, both one nils. Like, um, they took their chances yesterday. They only had, I think, two shots on target. Against us was the same. You know, they, they've got strikers like Clark Carrister, Hector... Kiprioff, I think I think I pronounced his name right. Kipriano. Kipriano. Kipriano, sorry. My my yeah, uh, I'm still learning. <laughs> sorry. Um, you know, that the, the goal yesterday was, you know, they got possession, simple passing, but you know, and clinical finish. You know, just took the chance. You know, and that's that's what you need at this level, isn't it? You've got, you know, as I said before, Ferguson knows the league, he knows how to get teams playing. You've got Clark Harris up front as well. Um it was, I think, was it yesterday? There was 12 yellow cards in the game, which is like this league is, you know, now with the new rules coming in place, there's going to be a lot of, uh, even though it wasn't a dirty game, you know, Peterborough, um, you know, what happened with them last season towards the end, you know, in the playoffs. Now, you know, people learn from playoffs and, and go to become, you know, I'd say they'll be up there. From what I've seen, I've only seen the two games. It wasn't pretty, but it's effective. It's, you know, two clean sheets, two wins against two very different opposition. Um, again, they've got um, good players throughout the team, you know, solid defence, solid spine. The keeper looked very good, made made one good save that uh, kept them out you know, when they needed to. And that's what you get, you know, you get the win and you move on to the next one, you know. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, like, you know, you're talking about Bolton and again, you know, for me, learning, you know, the teams, you know, just from watching from first, you know, experience or impressions you know look at Bolton and go they look great they look a good side Peterborough don't look as good as them but they're effective and they'll 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 be up there because they know the league they know that they've got the good players that they had from last season and he's kept the squad together pretty much um and they know how to, to win games so yeah like that's that's what I would think early early stages of the season yeah, I would agree with that. You always assume Peterborough will be in and around the top six pitcher come the end of the season. But if you're a Charlton fan, in terms of their depth moving forward, Terry Taylor, Dylang, Jayasimi were injured for the game. Could it affect them moving forward? Of course, Bristol Rose have got them away on uh, Tuesday night. Let's move away from that then. Let's go back to the Northwest. And obviously, uh, I'll bring this towards Adam. Fleetwood nil, Cambridge 2. Cambridge 2 ends out of 2. Many surprised probably by this start. Made by Mark Bonaside. They survived by the skin of their teeth on the final day last season. Two from two. Two for Gasana Hadmi. Great business. Scored in both league games. Uh, look, Could be a real gem on their hands on loan from Ipswich. So they've obviously, uh, geography-wise, got a, a very good sort of link there. Fleetwood had a lot more possession in Cambridge. Scott Brown said they were bullied yesterday. But in terms of the whole summer, it's probably been a little bit low-key compared to Wigan and Reading rightly. 
it's not been the easiest of summers as a Fleetwood fan. Do you feel as uh, sort of someone who's kind of well-known sort of what goes on with Fleetwood in the Northwest, Adam, that there is a lot of concern for them moving forward with obviously what happened with Andy Peely and obviously off the pitch and, and whatnot? Or do you think they will be OK and it won't affect them too much? Yeah, I mean, I on the uh, Progress of Unity podcast, we did some predictions and I was quite worried for Fleetwood this season. Um, I think clearly the off-the-field issues, um, I mean... We've had our off the field issues, but obviously, we, uh, you know, we haven't had a situation as yet where our owner's been jailed. Um, so, um, it, when these type of things happen, uh, whether it be in the short term or the long, more medium to long term, eventually they come back to bite you. And I was thinking of, you know, Blackpool uh, in the nineties with Owen Oyston and. That that brought about you know real real trouble for a long period uh, of time. Um, I wasn't really impressed um, with Fleetwood yesterday. You, you're right with the possession, Matt, um, but it wasn't good possession for me. And what I was really impressed with, um, I've only seen the limited highlights, but most of the Cambridge attacks were from pressing high up the field, winning the ball up there. Um, I was really, really impressed by Cambridge. Um, and I just love uh, Bonner. He's a he's a manager that I just I just feel... Um, I kind of got to know him after that Newcastle, uh, Newcastle win uh, a couple of seasons ago in the Cup. And then you hear the backstory of how he became manager. Um, he's working with a very small budget. Um, you know, he's, this is his, I think it's his third season now at this level. So we talk about step up and he's, albeit only just uh, last season, he did keep them in the league. It must have been so frustrating for him as well when, you know, he got promoted to this level and he loses his record goal scorer to Wrexham, you know, in Mullen. And, and I think he's just, he's just rebuilding again. And I think Cambridge will be Cambridge will be fine. I, I actually think Cambridge will finish above Fleetwood uh, this season. Whether whether that will be enough to keep them in the league, I don't know. But um, for what I've seen so far, the first two games, I'm impressed with the style, um, the pressing. Fleetwood had the possession style, but they didn't look that comfortable. It looked like Wigan last season, to be honest, wanting to play the possession football, but not having the players to play it. Um, and I get a set-piece goal. You know, if you can create, if you you get set piece goals and you've got a good press, and your players know what they're doing. Bonner is obviously very experienced now. You know, he's had he's had, he's had a number of years there. He knows how to get a result. So, yeah, very very impressed with uh, with with Cambridge in a very similar way that it was with Northampton, really to an, to an extent. And it's it's good to see some of these sides you, at the start of the season you wouldn't have thought could do anything, maybe we'll be able to sort of push on. So, yeah, um, for Cambridge fans out there, um, I've been impressed so far. Well, when you talk about Scott Brown saying that uh, they were bullied, I mean, you see the centre-backs of Ryan Bennett and uh, Michael Morrison. I mean, both in their 30s, you know, both very physical players, so they're going to be tight to the attackers of uh, Jack Marriott and 
uh, Ryan Graydon, who by all accounts obviously didn't get a sniff. We're still nearly towards the end now. We've still got a couple of games left to go. Lincoln 3, Wickham nil. It's not going right for Wickham. It was really yesterday a case of the Danny Mandrew showing really a second-half display from Lincoln that really ticked all the boxes. They were dominant in the second period. I spoke to Gaz Hutchinson actually just before we uh, came on air. And obviously he was over the moon. He says there's a real optimism around Central Bank. They are a side who was so, so tough to beat at home last year. Only Burton and Peterborough beat them at Central Bank. So it means they got results against Ipswich, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, the three sides who got through 20 times last year. And I think a lot of what Lincoln did last year was they were very much a tough, tough side to play against. And I think Mark Kennedy has got that set up very much spot on in that aspect. I think if he can give them that a little bit more attacking freedom from what I saw them last year, I think they've got a real chance of making a good fist of it in the playoffs, I think, or towards the playoffs. I mean, certain players in their team are like Sean Rowan, very good left wing back, really good cross for the ball. There's not many crosses he overhits. He seems to always get it on the money. I think Tyler Walker's a, a signing where he's got a point to prove. I think if you can get him right, It'll be a really good acquisition for you moving forward. I like Danny Mandrew. We mentioned a, a masterclass, a real technical, gifted player. You know, really good cross with the ball, really good creator, real good find in Ireland, of course, with Mark Kennedy being from Ireland himself. And as well, I like the sort of the the, the balance they sort of have. And I think they've seemingly, if they can get that balance right of defending and attacking, I think they've got a really good chance of being in the... Uh, top six for this season. As we mentioned, it could be a league where some sides can really break through the mould. Uh, let's look then at Oxford Carlisle, just a fifth win in 2023 for Oxford. Uh, the game yesterday wasn't the greatest, to be fair. The first half was pretty dull. I mean, if you stared at the walls and watched the paint try, it would have been a lot more entertaining. I will admit that. But Oxford improved in the second half. They were a lot better. Creativity was a big issue last year. Ruben Rodriguez, his addition has helped. Uh, Billy Bowden looks sharp, good player if injury-free. My only concern is of Oxford, they didn't score a lot of goals last season. Matty Taylor's gone, they brought Mark Harris in. Yes, he got off the mark yesterday. He's the number nine. He seems to be the goal scorer for them. He doesn't seem to me to be a guy who's going to get you 15, 20 goals. And Liam Manning's team, very much a possession-based, uh, ball-on-the-floor type of side. Carlisle, I think, are going to be very solid, tough to play against all season. You know, they, they had that as a real feature of their game under Paul Smith last season. One of the reasons why they did get promoted. I'll bring this to you, Johnny. I mean, you know, Oxford are fairly close geographically to sort of Reading, but that's not why I've gone to you for it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people have tipped Oxford to be top six. I'm not convinced about that. Do you share that or are you someone who thinks they will be a little bit better than what they did last year? Well, I hope they don't. Um, but I, looking, <laughs> looking at the other sides, you know, I, I don't see that they have the strength. Um, you know, and you're looking at your Bolton, Portsmouth, you know, the, the, the goal scoring like you touched on. You know, they, they, they've got a lot of players in their teams that score goals. If they're relying on, you know, one striker in Oxford, you, you're always going to be in trouble. One main, you know, one main player. Um, I could be proven wrong, but like, it, it, I... I from me, I'd say they'd be around the sort of, you know, top 10. Um, they're a good side, but they're not, not from what I've seen so far at the, that top level where you, you can see the, the way that the other teams like Bolton, the, the pace they play at, you know, the just the quickness of passing, the fluency, they've played together. You know, you're looking at, a, not a finished article, but you're looking at a team that's going somewhere. Um, Portsmouth on the day, the same yesterday, they, they've got, the, you know, it's having the creativity and having those options 
in the team and not just one when you've got people in you know, especially on injury suspensions and whatever um and that's not any bitterness from a reading fan towards oxford just to clarify <laughs> uh, yeah of course as well carlo did have their best player missing one of my favorite players to actually watch in league one in terms of central midfield oh moxon missing with a dead leg did that play a part in them not winning of course they were knocked out the carabao cup on tuesday without in the final game then that we are going to look at as Stevenage against Shrewsbury. They've made a fantastic start to the season. Two wins out of two in the league. And, of course, they dumped out neighbours Watford out of the League Cup in the week as well. Beaten in every aspect with Shrewsbury yesterday. The possession stats told you that. Set pieces are something that Stevenage absolutely thrive on. And they are not going to be a nice side to watch this season. I can tell you that. They're going to be physical. They're going to want the ball in the air. They're going to be battling you away. And I think what Steve Evans does really well is he's very good at stabilising teams, really getting players in to, to fit into what he wants. I like their business in the summer of the Thompson, Thompson and Thompson. So that's Louis, Nathan and Ben. <laughs> Only two of the three are related, actually. A uh, bit of a horrible one for a commentator or a broadcaster, that one is. Um, but then they've also brought in like Dan Butler, people like that, you know, very experienced players in the EFL. No league one inside out. And I think that's always quite crucial when you've just come up. And I think that is something that's very, very strong with Stevenage. Shrewsbury, on the other hand, same formation that they played under Steve Cottrell. Different way, different direction, it feels like. A uh, bit more possession-based and under a new direction because they've gone for a younger model and sort of, you know, a different type of person in Matt Taylor and no one who's in control like Steve Cottrell who kind of wanted to run things his own way. I'll bring this to you, um, Adam. You know, what I said about Stevenage is, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, they're going to be a difficult side to play against, aren't they? in terms of, you know, the way they play in the set pieces. You know, they scored a lot of goals last year. Carl Piergiani, they could be a team this year that could really, you know, annoy managers in terms of how they play, how rugged and physical they can be, can't they? Yeah, the, the team might annoy uh, other teams and um, I think the manager might as well. He's, uh, <laughs> I guess he's a bit Marmite, really, you know. Um, but to refer to him, he... He's done really well at this level and, and even above, the level above as well. I think I remember him doing well with Rotherham a number of years ago and he kind of knows the right type of players that will fit into his style. He clearly works a lot on set pieces, uh, set piece moves really as well. The delivery is good, but the the kind of what, what I've seen so far from them this season, the the movement in the box to create the space and block off other players as well. Um, it's got some real, you know, players who have excelled really at this level and, and even above, you know, you've got like Forster Kasky, haven't you, in there who, you know, is a good, good, solid player at this level. Um, I think it could be the, like the forgotten team. I think, I think a lot of people kind of at the start of the season might have just said, well, Stephen Edgell, they've come up and then they'll just go go back down. You know, they'll probably finish fourth bottom because they'll pick results up. But I could see them, I could see them surviving and maybe surviving with a few games, a few games to go because they're going to be very well organised. I think League One is a lot more progressive now, so I think teams might struggle with the style of play. Um, I think teams are going to have to adapt quickly uh, to playing Stevenage and realising that it's not just going to be an automatic 
three points, turn up, roll them over. I think you, you need to play a different way. Teams might get bullied by them. So I think it's something for managers uh, to think about. And again, you know, yesterday I thought it was a really, really good, solid uh, performance. The numbers were good. Um, and obviously what really matters is the result, which of course they got. Yeah, so that is it in terms of match day two from League One. There's still 44 to go in the division. Still very, very early days indeed. My thanks goes to Johnny Hunt and to Adam Penderbury for joining me on this episode uh, today, of course. Uh, and please don't be afraid, as I mentioned at the start of the show, to give us five stars on whatever podcast platform you listen to the Real EFL League One podcast on. You've been listening with me, your host, Matt Oyles. Have a great week and we'll see you again very, very soon. Bye for now. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mate's already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.